0: hello and welcome to episode number 38 of the 10 to track weekly world match previews podcast i'm your host soccer noob the name's no joke I am a noob when it comes to following sport. Only been doing it a few years. Doesn't stop me from having a show. Come join me on my learning journey as we learn about soccer and we learn about the world through learning about football. Lots of fun. Part of the reason that it is so fun is because I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, and the real star of the show, Person Person Noob. Say hello to the fine folks. Hello! I promise you, she will be stumbling over things like her own family's name, potentially a lot less than I will. So what have you gotten yourself into? Shenanigans, no. We're going to be giving many previews of 10 of the best matches from around the world, as we define them. A lot of them are going to be number one versus uh, second place team matches from various top flight domestic leagues from around the world, but not just the big ones in Europe. We'll go to any confederation and a league from a country of any size. We're going to hit stuff that no other podcast is out there doing. We'll also hit some uh, international national team matches, of course, as always. And then our super fun three bonus matches, explanation on that, coming later. These matches are going to cover from July 2 through 8. We consider our week to be Friday through Thursday. So, with no more ado, let's dive right in with... Match number one! As always, we will keep things chronologically oriented on the podcast and since no Friday matches happen to make the 10 to track cut this week, we start on Saturday. Match number one comes to us from NISA, the NISA, National Independent Soccer Association. And if it's something with which you are not familiar, that's okay. It was just founded in 2017 and started play in 2019. It is in the third tier of American soccer. Now, they are set up with fall and spring seasons for this organization. In the fall, they had eight teams this year, and then the spring, they added the ninth one, and their champions face off from each of those two uh, sub-annual seasons, if you will, for the overall championship. And your teams are Detroit City FC and LA Force, winning the fall and spring, respectively, so this will be played in Detroit City. Let's learn a little bit about each. Detroit, harkening to their French roots, are known as Le Rouge. Uh, the club was founded in 2012. Uh, they've been playing in the NPSL. National Premier Soccer League, which is a fourth-tier league that still exists. Uh, to qualify for this, they beat Oakland Roots in the uh, fall playoffs. On the fall scoring leaderboard, player to look for is Connor Rutz. And then in the spring session, they boasted the number three league-leading score. Pato Batello Faz twenty. 20- four-year-old from mexico and they've easily got the best goalkeeper in the whole league going he was tied for number one statistically in the fall and was number one in spring clean sheets and that is nathan steinwasher Meanwhile, on the other side, coming to town to challenge for the title, LA Force, very new, founded in just 2019. Uh, Last year, they made the fall session playoff semifinals, and the spring happened to be canceled. Uh, Interestingly, they played their home games at Cal State LA, a school I wasn't even familiar with. They just beat Chattanooga FC to advance to this particular final. Players you can look for if you can find this online to watch. Diego Barrera, he is a Colombian-born American, 34 years old. I would have thought that this league was almost entirely very, very young guys, but not the case. This guy's been all over the world. Spent his last few years uh, playing with non-Division 1 teams in Thailand, interestingly, and the Philippines before that. And then tied for number two in the spring goalkeeping stats, Brandon Gomez. Good luck to both in the NISA. Match number B. If you happen to be a new listener to the program, you did not miss here co-host and daughter, Person Noob. Delightfully, as she does every week, she has once again reminded us that number two, well... We're just not not that uncouth here. It's bathroom talk, let's face it. Join the revolution, use it in your daily lives. 1B, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and so on. This is the second match, match number B. And for it, we go to the Copa America quarterfinals on Saturday. This is their national team championships. And the most intriguing looking match Uh, Looks to be uh, Uruguay versus Colombia in the group stage, and there were two groups of five each, and they only eliminated one team, which is why we haven't been covering this event previously, because that seemed a little worthless to me, to be quite honest. In any case, Uruguay finished number two in the south region, and Colombia finished number three in the northern region. If you're so inclined, you can catch this match. Fox Sports 1 at 6 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. And it's going to be played, as are all the matches in various points in Brazil. This one's going to be at Estadio Nacional de Brasilia. And the winner is going to get to play later in the week, so we won't have a chance to uh, cover the semifinals. We'll hit the final next week. Either Argentina or Ecuador on July 6. A little bit about each of our national teams here. Uruguay, they are known as... I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong even though I studied at school. It's uh, La Celeste or La Celeste. I didn't put in the accent mark in my notes. It's basically Sky Blue is the nickname. They are rated as the third best national team in CONMEBOL and uh, number nine overall in FIFA worldwide. Very good. Uh, It's been decades and decades, but they were the smallest country to date to still ever have won the World Cup, which they did in 1930 and again in 1950. Uh, Lend a little perspective. Argentina, is the next smallest nation to have ever won the World Cup at a little over nine times the population size so it's really something that Uruguay has managed to have so uh, so much success over the years even that far back. They have won this event the Copa America 15 times which is the most ever. Uh, Most recently was a decade ago 2011. They haven't managed to get past the quarterfinals in the last three. Uh, This year how are they doing? Well their form uh, they were 0-0-2 in World Cup qualifiers. Two draws in uh, the group stage for this event. They went 2-1-1, finishing three points behind Argentina in the table. They averaged exactly a goal a game. Uh, Even better on defense, they only let in a goal every other game. So only two for the group stage. Number two event scorer has been Edison Cavani. Uh, European fans will easily recognize him. 34 years old, uh, currently has been with uh, Manchester United as striker. He just scored 10 club goals in 26 appearances this last year, but he's got well over 120 caps with the national team here in Uruguay, a real superstar down here. Spent the heart of his career with PSG, and at the time that he signed with them, he was the most expensive signing ever for any uh, club in France. And if you're looking for him, You won't have any trouble. He is known as a a modern striker, quote-unquote. Plays everywhere on the field, Uh, up close, poaching goals. He can start from farther back on runs. And he actually, for a striker, tracks very, very well back on defense. So he is uh, almost box-to-box or the equivalent in the amount of running he does as a box-to-box midfielder. Now your challengers, Colombia, Los Cafeteros, the coffee growers, number four in CONMEBOL, whereas their opponents today are number three, hence the reason that I picked this match, number 15 overall in FIFA, Uh, 2014, they made the World Cup quarterfinals, that's their best finish in that particular event, they've just got one uh, Copa America title, and that was all the way back in 2001. Last year, they made the quarterfinals. This year, how they've been doing their form? One one and zero in World Cup qualifying matches, and then they went one one and two in their group for the Copa America, finishing three points behind Peru. Uh, really struggled a bit on defense, to be perfectly honest. Five goals for, but a whopping seven goals against. So that kind of might kind of might be their weakness or bugaboo. Uh, Probably their most important player if he can uh, get things together is their captain goalkeeper David uh, Ospina. He plays for Napoli. He's got the most national caps for Colombia all time. Spent the heart of his career with just like our one from the other team in France but uh, he with Nice excellent with the ball at his feet he is a classic sweeper keeper which means he's not afraid to come well off of his line and get that ball away from the from the offensive players who are coming down but that said it doesn't always work for him in the past he's been criticized for a lot of really rash errors and some general inconsistency and unlike with Uruguay we actually do have a USA connection for this one uh playing forward for the Portland Timblers and. May timbers in major league soccer is yemi chara and now one final side note about this team that i found in 1994 you gotta love or hate south america at the world cup the team was underperforming uh they were they were really supposed to be a favorite to win on paper Uh, a lot of cartel members back home were threatening the players families if they didn't start doing better and then following an own goal in one of the matches somebody murdered the goalie Yikes, murder. Let's move on to the next one, person noob. Match number three. And here in our third one, hopefully we won't have any mention of murder whatsoever. I say hopefully. I should know. These are my notes, and I know it's not in there. In any case, we're headed back to Europe, where things feel comparatively much safer. To the European Championships, Euros 2020, even though it got postponed from start to finish to 2021. Interesting decision not to rename it. In any case, I think the most intriguing match is going to be Ukraine versus England. They're playing that Estadio Olimpico in Rome. Now, A noob understands that if you're listening to this show, you probably listen to several different football podcasts. There's not much that I'm going to be able to tell you. As a true noob, it's not just a nickname, it's my life, about this particular match that you're not going to be getting from other shows. So, rather than do even a full-fledged mini-preview, let alone a deep dive. I just wanted to look into some uh, financial stuff this particular time, kind of compare the two countries, because let's face it, more money, more resources is going to equal more success. I didn't realize that the two were going to be this far apart. So just a couple of financial factoids. Uh, in the Ukraine, they've got an annual GDP of uh, $130 billion. Compare that to England's of $3 trillion for the gross domestic product. That is insane. I don't know if England's that rich or Ukraine's that poor. But one other way to look at this is that in the Ukraine, uh, the average adult income is eight and $8,500 a, a year or so. And in England, 32500 I don't have m- too much more for you on this. We'll move on to match number four. But I thought it would just be interesting to look at some dollar signs or uh, pound signs or euro signs, I guess, in this particular case. Match number four. We stay on Saturday once again, but this time head over to Asia where the Champions League there is going on. We're going to highlight a game in Group J. Now, as you would imagine, the winners of each of the groups are going to move on and the three best runners-up from each of the regions are also going to advance. Uh, the match we've chosen to highlight is Port FC versus Cerezo Osaka. If that match happens to sound familiar, if you've been following this event at all, it's because the two teams, yes, they did just play Wednesday. Now they're going to play again. The groups play a double round robin. Here's how Group J table stands. Sarazo Osaka have seven points. Kichi from Hong Kong have six. FC Port have four. And then the Chinese teams have really been struggling. Uh, Guangzhou don't have any points yet, or Guangzhou, I should say. So let's learn a little bit about our combatants. Port FC. Uh, they play out of Thailand From the district of Klong, I'm going to pronounce it uh, Tui, T-O-E-I, but I did uh, look up some audio pronunciations and I think the T might be silent. It might just be Klong-Ui, not sure. In any case, it's a district in central Bangkok, most renowned uh, in a general sense for its very, very large slum, almost 100,000 people. Uh, In a soccer sense, it's uh, best known perhaps for being the most popular one amongst foreign supporters, which are called the Farang down there. Uh, By the way, Thailand's uh, top flight league is rated number eight in the AFC. And uh, this team is actually hosting all the games in Group J, or at least the nation of Thailand is. Uh, This is their second straight time in the Champions League, and those have been the only two times they've ever appeared in this tournament. Last year, they lost to one of the Filipino teams in the second preliminary round. They qualified this year by being in second place in their league halfway through the 2020-21 season. That phrasing seems a little odd, as I'm sure you could guess you can blame things on COVID. They have never won the league title down there, interestingly, but last year it looked like they were in position to make a real run at it. They had the number one offense. They were the only team scoring over two goals per match, second best defense, and I think most importantly, the best goal differential going. It's going to be interesting to see where they're going to get their offense from now, though, because top 10 league scorer uh, Heberty. Brazilian one-name wonder is now with rival Bangkok United. Meanwhile, Sarazo zako they are known as the Cherry Blossoms. They qualified by finishing in fourth place in the 2020 J1 League. They were supposed to start in the qualifying playoffs since they only finished in fourth place in the league. But several of the Australian teams uh, dropped out. There was going to be a lot of conflict because of COVID and then these matches matches having been moved, their own league uh, season having gotten uh, moved up or moved back. And they chose, oddly enough to me, to focus on the domestic side rather than the international. In any case, this is the fourth time that uh, Cerezo has made the Champions League. They make it about once every three to four years. Last time, uh, or rather their best finish, I should say, which is 2011, they made the quarterfinals. Oddly enough, uh, one of the reasons they only make the Champions League that often is because not only are they not qualifying, uh, they're something of a yo-yo club. They drop down into the J League two quite a bit. So when they're up here, they tend to actually uh, make the Champions League. But boy, I guess when they are bad, they are really bad and they get relegated. Uh, this year, not off to the best start in their domestic league, to be honest. Uh, they're only in 12th place right now, uh, doing better in the group stage for this event. Obviously, they are 2-1-0 so far with a 5-2 and uh, goal differential. And they should be the heavy, heavy favorites. This is the number three league in the AFC. And uh, hence the reason that they get four entrants into this particular event. Best player all around is probably uh, Hiroaki Okuno. He's got just two goals on the season, but he's not primarily an offensive player. He can play some center forward, but he is just as commonly found at center midfield or center back. He's an excellent passer, so they like to have him any, any and everywhere, somewhere in the middle of the field. Match number five. This time we come home to CONCACAF for Gold Cup qualification. There are three slots still open for the Gold Cup proper and there are 12 teams still alive here for the qualification stage. All 12 of the clubs that are still alive were their group number three finishers from their various leagues within the Nations League. Now what that means in a nutshell is you're going to get a uh, wide variety of teams in terms of ability for this. Uh, The 12 teams were divided into two pots, and then there was a random draw. Two teams from each of them are each going to get put into a four-team bracket. The winner of that four-team bracket gets excited. They'll get to play in the Gold Cup proper. All the matches, by the way, are being held in Fort Lauderdale. The most competitive-looking match looks to be Cuba versus French Guiana. Uh, The winners are going to get either Trinidad and Tobago or, hypothetically, Montserrat. But... Uh, Trinidad and Tobago, I would say bet the farm on them, except you're not going to get very good odds on it, to be perfectly honest. They're going to win that handily. Let's learn a little bit about each of these national teams. Uh, Cuba, they are the Lions, because of course one half of all soccer teams and clubs are the Lions, so they'll never be a favorite for Old Noob, but in any case... They are rated number 14 within CONCACAF, number 181 in FIFA, and they are the fourth best team of these qualifiers. So they came out of pot one. Uh, The one time they made the World Cup, wow, uh, was all the way back in 1938, and they made the quarterfinals. Now, this comes with a bit of an asterisk, but don't tell any of your Cuban friends. Uh, All of the teams in South America, except for Brazil, And all of the teams in CONCACAF, except for Cuba, had withdrawn from this event. Uh, The previous World Cup had been in Italy. Everybody's understanding was it was supposed to bounce around the globe. And they were really, really angry that uh, FIFA had decided to put it in France rather than uh, a favorite, whichever country, in South America. Now, this team has had some other success. More recently, they won the Caribbean Cup in 2012. If you're not as familiar with that event, it no longer exists. It stopped after 2017. Basically, the Caribbean uh, member nations, of Cocky Calf, had their own league, but that's sort of been rolled into the Nations League that's now been going on the last few years. Uh, last year, they qualified for the Gold Cup and got to the group stage. The farthest they've ever been to is the quarterfinals, and they qualify for the Gold Cup about uh, three-quarters of the time. Uh, in 2021, their form so far. Uh, they went two and two in their World Cup qualifiers. Now, all, I mentioned earlier that all the third-place teams got to go. Well, they Cuba got to play in... Uh, League A, there were leagues A, B, and C, each with their various groups. And uh, A is the top one. And Cuba had to play against the USA and Canada, so they automatically were going to get to be a qualifying, uh, <clears throat> get to participate in the qualifying event, if you will, for the Gold Cup, because there were only three teams in the group. Uh, but they didn't score a single goal, and they gave up 18. I don't know if that's an indicator of the overall ability. That's pretty unfortunate for the draw to get put up against uh, the United States and Canada. Uh, We do have some U.S. connections here for this team in terms of where players play. Uh, One connection, they've got uh, De'Ron Reyes. He's only 17 years old, plays forward uh, professionally for USL League One. That's a third-tier league right there in Fort Lauderdale. So he'll be comfortable right at home, hopefully. Uh, Also, Jorge Corrales, he's a defender, 30 years old, plays for a Tier 2 USL championship team in Tulsa, although he has been with some MLS teams. I don't know how much he really got to play, but last year he was with Montreal, and before that he had played with the Chicago Fire at least one season. And then finally, if he gets into a game, it'll be his first-ever Cuban national team cap, Uh, Raico Erezarena. He's a goalkeeper, plays for uh, the USL championship Uh, team in Tampa Bay, the Rowdies, uh, last year, to give some perspective, he was with a Mexican third-tier league, I think only semi-professional, and most uh, Cafetaleros de Chiapas. Now, French Guiana. this might be a team or a country you're even more unfamiliar with, especially from a football sense. Why? Well, they're not FIFA members. This is an overseas territory of France, so they don't get to belong to FIFA, but they do. And they're not the only one like this. Uh, Réunion is another one. Uh, They do get to be full members of CONCACAF. As such, they are rated number 18 here in our home federation. And they were the number one team in pot two, sort of the uh, best of the worst remaining, if you will, for the qualifiers. Uh, 2017, they made the Gold Cup. That was the only time they've ever made it. And uh, they didn't win any games. This year they got to play in the uh, League B, the second of the three leagues. Two two and two is their record there. Pretty good offense for this level. They scored uh, eight times, but they did give up six goals. Cuba's really going to be the uh, probably moderately heavy favorite here, to be honest. So yet it might be the most competitive of these opening matches in this. Uh, Qualifying event. They qualified for the last three Caribbean clubs that got played and they finished number three in the last one. That was their best ever finish, uh, 2017. Uh, Hard to really say very much about how they're doing this year because they've only had training matches so far. This is their first official match of 2021. They do have one USA connection, a pretty good midfielder, plays for San Diego, loyal. Can't remember if that's with the USL Championship. I think that's the case. Might be with USL1, but in any case, uh, his name. Is uh, a Van Kilizeli, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. Uh, This team, very young at some places and not others. Uh, Goalkeeper, they're really going to struggle. They don't have many players with many caps. Uh, Their forwards, Uh, they are not young, they're all pretty close to 30 years old, but none of them almost have any national caps whatsoever. Most experienced player they have outside of goalkeepers, probably uh, Rudy Evans. He's a midfielder, uh, well into his 30s, but he's never played anywhere except for on French Guiana. He's been a lifer for the club ASC Legeldar. And that Saturday could only possibly mean one thing at this time of the show. It is time to take a break from the tracking of the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do, namely, that is track. Let's have us a recap from last week's show. Friday, we went to UEFA's Champions League, the 2021-22 version for a preliminary final, match number one. It was Kosovar FC Pristina taking on Andorra and Inter Escaldes. unsurprisingly... Pristina came out on top, 2-0. Abrasive goals did it by Endri Krasniki. Match number B, we went to Major League Soccer, where the West's number 7, Real Salt Lake, took on Houston Dynamo at number 5, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Guy we said to look for for Houston. Uruti had the equalizer in the 52nd minute, and that dropped Houston down to number 6, and RSL down to number 8 in the Western Conference. Match number 3, back to Europe, we went to the European National teams, championships, Wales versus Denmark, and it was Denmark in a rout, 0-4. Casper Dolberg had a brace of goals, and the guy we set to keep an eye out for, Martin Braithwaite, added on a little something extra, another goal at the 94th minute. Match number four, the AFC Champions League group stage was our destination, Vietnam's club, Viettel, taking on South Korea and Ulsan Hyundai, and the favorites, Ulsan Hyundai, barely won, 0-1. They got their goal in the 91st minute. Sunday, match number five, Australians A-League Grand Final, which basically means their playoff final. Uh, Number one from the regular season, Melbourne City FC taking on second place Sydney FC. And it was Melbourne City winning 3-1. Sydney FC had the misfortune of losing a player to a second yellow that turned into a red card, of course, in the 35th minute. Wow, racking those up quickly, son. Ghana Premier League for match number six. Number one, Hearts of Oak took on number B, Asante Kotoko FC. And it was Hearts of Oak winning 1-0. Match number seven, we stayed in Africa. And went to Togo's Championnat Nacional de Premier División. Very long name, basically, for their top flight Premier League. Playoffs, number one, ASC Cara made the championship, taking on number B from the regular season, ASKO de Cara. And it was ASKO pulling off the mild upset. It was 1-1 and then they won in penalties. Match number eight, we went to the USL Championship where it was Rio Grande Valley coming out on top against El Paso Locomotive in second place in the Mountain Division, three to two. Rodrigo Lopez, guy we said might be mad in the match, indeed was, had a goal and assist. Match number nine, the AFC Cup secondary tournament in Asia, internationally speaking, it was Bali United Passam that was supposed to be taking on from Indonesia, Boyung Ket from Cambodia, but Cambodia, but the match was postponed. Not sure why. Probably something COVID-related, but here's to hoping it was something else. And on Thursday, match number 10 was a friendly, uh, the first of two, we just previewed the first one, USA Mexico, national teams and the result, and surprisingly, a 4-0 win for the USA. And then our bonus matches with explanations on what these mean coming later. Our route of the week was a Sunday match. Lithuania's A-Liga gave us Zalgiris Vilnius and last place niviza and it was Zalgiris Vilnius winning 2-0 guy we said to look for francis Pairama had the first goal. I'd forgotten how to pronounce his name in the interim. And then, the most meaningless match of the world, Friday, Latvia's higher league, number six, SK Spartax, took on number five, BFC Daugafil, and it was Spartax winning two-nil. Thank goodness, because the other one is hard to say. And then we did not have a third and final match for disappointed because there were absolutely no matches in any top flight in the entire world that met the criteria for that match. And so, that will conclude your episode 37 recap. Now let's get back to tracking the upcoming week's matches as we dive back in with... Match number six. We get to flip the calendar page to Sunday at last, But we're not going to travel nearly as far as usual. We're going to stay stateside and go over to L.A. from Fort Lauderdale from the last one. This is a Major League Soccer match, the most intriguing-looking one of the week, in my opinion. Now, a little reminder, the top seven teams from each of the two conferences, East and West, get to go to the playoffs under this year's format. The winner of each of the two is going to get a huge advantage and start in the semifinals. Everybody else starts off at the same level. And the matchup is number three in the Western Conference, the LA Galaxy, versus second place, Sporting Kansas City. This match is going to be on ESPN at 10.30 Eastern Time. Uh, SKC, they lead the all-time series 7-5-5, five, and five, so it's been very close. At the time that I scouted these matches, there may have been some subtle changes since then. Here's how the table had looked. Seattle, In the lead with 25 points Kansas City at 23 the Galaxy is 21 and then Colorado down at 16 in fourth place now uh, the LA Galaxy have a little bit of an advantage in the overall table they've got two matches in hand compared to virtually everybody else in their area in the table Now, we've covered the Galaxy before, so just a mini, mini preview, if you will. They've got the number three offense going in the conference. Defense is a little weaker. They're only tied for number six there, Uh, their form, 2-0-1 in their last three, although they did win the last two, and per the struggles on defense, they haven't had any clean sheets in those last three. Uh, their best player easily is Javier Chicarito Hernandez, league leading scorer with 10 last I looked. A little news on him. Uh, he's a veteran, but I think some people still thought he might get called up uh, for the Gold Cup to the Mexican national team, but it was not the case. He got left off and won't be playing there. Now, Kansas City, this is the first time we've talked about them, so just a tiny bit more information. Uh, their nickname is The Wizards, based on a previous iteration of professional soccer in Kansas City, where that was the team's uh, part of their official name. They have been to the CONCACAF Champions League four different times, so most recently in 2017, and they had their best ever finish, me the semifinals that year. They have won the MLS Cup which is the playoffs, and so the overall championship, twice. Most recently in 2013. They also won it in the year 2000, and that was the one year that they had the best overall record in the league and won the Supporters' Shield. Uh, Very much like the Galaxy, number one on offense. They're the team that the Galaxy is tied for, for sixth place on defense. So we could be in for a shootout here. Here's the hoping, because I'm definitely going to be tuning into this one. Uh, their recent form, they are 2-1-0, and, oh, and they won their last two. But just like the Galaxy, no clean sheets in their last three. Overall best player and number three league scorer is Hungarian uh, Daniel Saloy, and he's also on the assist leaderboard there. Match number seven. We stay here stateside for our only other Sunday match, but this time we're seeing the women's side of the game. We're going to mini-preview a good one from the NWSL top flight here in America for women's soccer. Top six teams are going to make the playoffs and of the ten, and then the top two finishers will get to start in the semifinals. And the match, this was an easy one to call Number one, Orlando Pride taking on second place North Carolina Courage Good enough that it's going to be on TV Paramount Plus, 6 p.m. Eastern Time Uh, Here's how that part of the table looks Orlando, it's fairly early in the season They have 15 points The Courage have 13 And then there are two other teams lurking just behind with 12 Uh, The Courage have the advantage of having a match in hand over Orlando And I think maybe the teams behind them as well in any case, Orlando, we've talked about them two or three times. They've been at the top of the table throughout this early season. Tied for number one on offense. Not so good on defense, to be honest. Just tied for fifth place there. Uh, their recent forms have been very average. 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and they just lost to Houston. They haven't had any clean sheets in those last three. Uh, tied for number B in league scoring. Almost said the other number. Don't want to have to have the prices right. Loser sound effect thrown at me like last week Sydney LaRue and Alex Morgan They have four goals each last I had checked And they also get to boast having uh, the lady Who's easily considered the greatest modern football player uh, Ever amongst the women Marta from Brazil plays for them now She is tied for number one on assists in the league Along with teammate Courtney Peterson Meanwhile, the Courage out of North Carolina They have two titles to their credit in 2018 and 19 and they won the Supporters Shield those years plus in 2017 and in fact they were the first team to ever win the Supporters Shield and the playoff title in the same season tied for number one on offense second best on defense, and most importantly to me, I think, number one overall in goal differential. They have won their last three games, have the number one league-leading scorer in Lynn Williams. Uh, One wonders at what point she might get a little fatigue setting, and I know a lot of the women's players play for more than one club and go out on loan, and this is one of those cases. Last year, uh, she played with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, and I say last year, but it's been less than a calendar year easily. And then tied for number one in assists, is Carson Pickett. She plays defender. She was with Orlando the last two seasons and if her name is familiar, it's uh, possible you've seen human interest type sporting piece on her. She happened to be born with no left hand or forearm. Match number eight. That wraps up our weekend, but there is no rest. Our remaining matches are all Monday matches, at least, here amongst the traditional match previews for the to track. And number eight, we're back to Asia for the AFC Cup. Uh, this is right below the AFC Champions League, but it's not exactly like... Uh, UEFA's Europa League. None of the teams in the top six or eight leagues get to participate in this. This is simply for clubs that they refer to in the AFC as being from, quote, soccer-developing nations, end quote. Think countries that aren't as big population-wise, maybe don't have as many monetary resources as other countries, or, for example, with India is a big country, but just soccer isn't the most important sport there at least not yet but here's the hoping india in any case so this is more for your champions of all the lower leagues and then some of the uh, number b or number three finishers in some of the mid-tier leagues in asia that all said AFC Cup. They're at the group stage. Ten groups of either three or four teams each. There are five different zones. The winners are going to get to advance to the group stage and some of the second place finishes are going to advance. It depends on which region you're in because some of the regions are the ones that have groups of four instead of groups of three. In any case, the most intriguing matchup this week looked to be, to me, Kedah Darul Amon versus Lion City Sailors. We'll learn a little bit about each. First of all, uh, Kedah Darul Amon they are from the city of Alor Setar, which is on the west coast of Peninsular Malaysia and the capital of the Kedah state. The city has about four hundred thousand people or so. Uh, now, this is the, at the time that I'm scouting this, they've got an 00 and 0 record in the group stage. But by the time you hear this, they will have played a uh, at least one match against Saigon FC, I believe. In any case, Malaysia's top flight, the Super League, is the number 18 rated league out of 46 in the AFC. Last year in the Champions League, uh, they actually won a game before losing in the playoffs round. And then the only other time that they qualified was once in the 1990s. They've been to two AFC Cups. Their best finish was the 2008 quarterfinals. They have won their league title three times. Uh, That was 2007-2008, but things went south from there because they spent the mid-2010s largely in the Premier League Now, that sounds a little odd. The top flight league is the Super League. The second tier is the Premier League. There's two or three Asian countries, I believe, that do it that way, and it makes it really confusing for a noob. So, you know, thanks a whole lot, Malaysia and other Southeast Asian countries. You're not helping in any case. Uh, They qualified for this event by finishing in second place in the 2020 Super League Top Division. They only played 11 matches last year, single round robin because of COVID. Uh, the top team went to the champions league and then uh, this was one of two teams from this league that got to go to the afc cup in their domestic play uh the offense not so great not too bad number five out of the 12 teams but they've got the second best defense going on the scoring leaderboard for them is Tipre cheche a forward from the ivory coast veteran who's 33 years old meanwhile Lions City Sailors out of Singapore, if that name doesn't ring a bell to you, there's a very good reason. They just changed names. Uh, They're a privately owned team for the first time this year. A local billionaire bought 100% of the stake in the team. Now, this team was, until last year, Home United little bit of a history there they were founded as a police team that was the actual name of the club and then they changed their name to home to represent sort of a a a greater breadth of the government departments that were somehow going to be affiliated with it so their security some of their military things like that Singapore's top top flight is the number 19 rated league in the AFC, hence the reason I thought this would be a really good matchup since the other team is number 18. We'll lend a little bit more perspective. This team is probably ranked just inside the top 50 as far as clubs go in the AFC. They were supposed to have played two group states matches by now, but both of them were postponed for some reason. They qualified for this event by finishing in third place in the 2020 uh, Premier League there. The number four team also qualified. Now, if you're wondering why teams so deep from a mid-tier league got in, it's because the perennial uh, favorite and champion every year, Al-Bayrex, uh Negata, is a team that is not eligible to qualify because they're a reserve team From Japan And they're always the best team in this league So, the second best team Got to go to the Champions League Third and fourth place Go to the AFC Cup Uh, In 2001, this team did make the Champions League And they made it to the second round Uh, They make the AFC Cup most years Their best finish was in 2005 They made the quarterfinals Uh, This year in their league play uh, Best offense going by far They score over three times a game Number three defense Number one goal differential By lots and lots Expect to see them in the Champions League next year Uh, They've got the number one league scorer Whose uh, name I'm sure I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of I couldn't find one for it He's Croatian Stipe Plazabat No, I'm not making it up Um, He came over from... uh, Ho Gang United, partway through the season, another team from uh, this country. Number one in assists, they've also got that guy, homegrown named Gabriel Kwok. And the number three statistical goalkeeper, also from their country, is Hassan Sunni. And he's a really good one, been playing a long time, has 85 national team caps. Match number nine. And now for a match that proves what I said at the very beginning of the podcast in the intro. Proof is in the pudding that we will go everywhere anywhere in the globe and we haven't been to this confederation yet this podcast say hello to the algerian league cup yes we're headed to africa for a third tier event but you know what the winner gets a confederations cup berth that is their version of the europa league and if there's a trophy on the line by gosh there's a pretty good chance that noob is going to cover it Now, the League Cup, like a lot of places, is only made up of uh, Division I clubs. The matchup is NC Magra versus J.S. Kabylie, and it's going to be played in the neutral site in the capital of Algiers. Uh, A little bit about NC Magra that uh, town of the same name is only about 40,000 people, northeast part of the country. Uh, In the 12th century, uh, they were famous for uh, olive oil. I don't know what they're famous for now, but I found that. (laughs) They beat USM Alger or Alger in the semifinals to qualify for the final here in the League Cup. This is going to be their only shot at international competition. They're only at number 13 out of the 20 teams in the top flight domestic league in Algeria right now. And their offense and defense aren't even as high as number 13. They're more likely to go down than up, to be perfectly honest. So it's all or nothing for them here. Uh, Team leading score is Hodge. Hodge. bourgeoisie I'm gonna pronounce it my French is pretty weak and uh, you gotta hand it to this team for having some success in any of the top flight league events even the League Cup because as recently as 2017 this team was all the way down in Division 3 not even the second flight they were way down there in the amateur ranks I'm almost certain and they did make the FA Cup uh, semifinals in 2003 and 2004 now, uh, Kabilé not doing so well, or Kabylie not doing so great right now. But historically, this team is going to be your favorite. They are the Lions. We know how I feel about that. They are from a region. I just love the pronunciation on this uh, Tizi or Thizi Wezu. T I Z I new word O U Z O U Tizi Wezu. One hundred fifty thousand people in this city. It's the heart of a region of the same name. Uh, totally surrounded by mountains. Very picturesque. Uh, the club is named. Uh, Kabyle is a Berber speaking people there in the north part of the country. Historically, this is the best team in the country 14 league titles, but they haven't won it since 2007, 2008. They've also won the FA Cup five times, but not in a decade. They had a little bit of an easier path to get to this final. They had to beat Division II team WA Tlemcen in the semifinal, and that's a team that only just now this year finished, or last year finished, number three. In, uh, division, uh, in the second division, so they're gonna get promoted for next year. The team is only in eighth place this year in the top flight domestic league there in Algeria. Uh, tied for number one on defense, but offense, that's where they struggle. They're only number eight in the league, just a little above average. That said, team leading score to look out for is Mohamed Al-Tabal, a Liberian midfielder. <laughs> Match number 10. We're done. Finally. Oh, person noob, this isn't the end. We still have the three bonus matches to go after we head to Kyrgyzstan's Premier League. This is rated the number 33 league in the AFC. Hey, that may not be very high, but if the match is important where it's being played... Those are the kind we like to look at, no matter where they are. Uh, Because this is rated solo in the AFC, only the winner gets to go to international competition. Uh, They go to the AFC Cup, as you might imagine. And we're catching them at the very tail end of the season. In fact, some of the teams near the bottom of the table have already played their 14th and final matches. Other teams has have as many as three matches left. Uh, the league only has eight clubs. Normally, they play two full round robins and then some more matches. But for the second year in a row, my suspicion is due to COVID. They're playing for the second year in a row, only a double round robin. And your matchup, it is... Number B, Dordoy Bishkek taking on number one, Alga Bishkek. They've played one other time this season, as you would imagine from what I said before. And it was Dordoy that won on the road nil 3 Interestingly, that is Alga Bishkek's only loss. Now, uh, Alga lead by five. This is their last match of the season. But Dordoy have one more. So if Dordoy can win the last two, they take the title. If not... And Alga Bishkek wins it. So this is for almost everything right here. A little bit about each. Uh, Dordoi refers to a company called Dordoi Bazaar. It's a series of uh, wholesale retail stores, I believe. They play in Bishkek, as I mentioned, which is the capital. They have twelve league titles historically, and they've all been won since 2001 or later. And they are the three-time defending champions. With a little work ahead of them this year, though. Uh, 2019, they got to go to the AFC Cup. Uh, that was the farthest they ever made. It was the group stage. They didn't advance any further, though. They made it to number three. Uh, this year, they've been having a whale of a year. Number one on offense, scoring almost two and a half goals per. Number three on defense, and they've got the overall best goal differential. Tied for second place in league scoring, Mirman Mirosev is the one getting it done. You'd have to be a really, really hardcore European fan to recognize his name, but he has played for a couple of, uh, I believe, yo-yo teams in Turkey and Israel, the clubs of uh, Denizlispor Lespor and Hapoel Petah Tikva, respectively. And this guy gets around like a record. This is his fourth separate time with this particular club. Meanwhile, Algabishkek Uh, They've had an interesting uh, financial existence. In 2005, this team folded. And then they came back in 2007 and lasted all of half a season, which back then was 14 games folded again and then they came back in 2010 apparently have their stuff together i believe that they have managed to stay in business since then uh five league titles to their credit for last one was uh all the way back in 2002 though they went to the afc once went one and one uh the afc cup i should say fourth best offense number one defense going they have allowed only eight goals on the season far and away number one in that category and defense Travels. I have a feeling that this is the day that I think Alga can pull off at least a draw today and end up winning the league. If they do get some uh, goals, most likely on the scoring leaderboard for this league is Oluwesion Alariwa. Boy, you know what? I practiced that like six times, and I'm still not sure I'm getting it right, and I'm stumbling over to boot. But he's from Nigeria. I can say that. And now for my favorite part of the podcast, the three bonus matches. And the reason this is my favorite part is because you, the listener, get to help decide what the Magic content is going to be. My handle on Twitter is SoccerNoobUSA. And every week in the first part of the week, usually Monday or Tuesday, I throw up a series of polls for these three matches with various candidate matches. You decide which one is going to get featured. I go ahead and do a mini preview for it, and that's how we make it happen. And our first one from somewhere on the globe is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call the... Route, 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 route. Of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. Homemade echo sound effect, so cute, so precious. Love my kid. In any case, it's a Saturday match for the Route of the Week, and we're headed back to the women's side of the ball, to Japan's Nadashiko League One. This is currently the top flight there, and I emphasize currently, because while the league will continue to exist, it's a semi-professional league, but next year there is going to be a new professional league starting called the WE League, which stands for Women's Empowerment. So this is the last season for the N1 as the top flight. They will remain semi-professional, Drop down to being the second division, the Women's Empowerment League, the WE League, will be fully professional. I'm not entirely sure what that means. I know that at the very least part of it is that five of the players will be on contracts that are for every club that are not subject to any kind of salary cap. I don't mean or rather, I don't know if that means that all the other players on the roster are going to be paid or not. I would assume so, because otherwise that would still feel like a semi-professional team. But time will tell. Those details were, did not avail themselves to me. In any case, next year, the WAE League is going to have 11 teams to start. And I think they're set on that number. Uh, they're not going to have any relegation to start off at the very least. But they might promote more teams from the N1 League. But that won't happen until after the twenty. 20- 21 2022 season the winners of the Natashiko League have been going to the AFC Champions League usually one team gets relegated and another team has to fight for their top flight spot in a relegation playoff uh, obviously the latter part I don't think anybody's getting relegated this year because I'm not sure that it would matter given that they're restructuring everything league-wise and they're about halfway through the season this year and Your matchup it is number 12, last place, roadkill and waning. Yamato Silphid taking on number one, Iga Kunoichi. Uh, Iga are two, uh, they won the only other regular season match between these two, uh, 2 0. Uh, here's how the table looks Iga currently lead Nitai Dai by eight, so they're not quite running away with the league, but it could get to that pretty close. Uh, to now, meanwhile, uh, Yamato they trailed the next two teams by four. So they're not necessarily set on being in last place for the entire season, but it sure looks that way. And it wouldn't surprise me if they stayed there. Uh, Silphid, they just came up to the top league, I think just as recently as last season. Uh, Now, Yamato, that's a city of about 250,000 in uh, in the Kanagawa Prefecture. It's pretty close to Tokyo. It's closer to Yokohama, if you happen to know and are interested in your Japanese geography. Uh, One thing that it was recently famous for, this city, uh, last year they made walking in certain designated areas, public areas, they made it illegal to be using a smartphone while you're walking in those areas. But that said, from what I read, there's no fine. There's no penalty. So I don't know if that just means they're arresting people and hauling them away or if they're just kind of sternly wagging a finger at them. I don't know which way that's going. In any case, back to the footy. Uh, no surprise that they're in last. They are tied for uh, second to last in offense and have the worst defense of the league going, giving up over two goals per match. They've only won one match. Uh, two matches ago, they beat uh, Ehime four to two, which probably constitutes about half the offense that they've had for the entire season. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you're probably league champions, Iga uh, Kunoichi. I believe directly translates to ninjas, and unlike uh, FC Pyramids over in Egypt that just changed the name to take advantage of something famous about the country in a little oh, I don't know, stereotypical. Uh, this is actually this city of IGA is considered a, or at least one of the historical centers for unconventional warfare practice, basically the art of being a ninja, because really historically it's had a lot more to do with, uh, being a spy than kind of what we see, uh, you know, in, uh, Hollywood or movies from other places in any case the city is in the Tokai region Which is sort of in the southwest central coastal part of the country very heavily industrial area It's a city of only about a hundred thousand. So it's really something uh, that they're making a run at the title They don't have the resources a lot of the teams in the bigger markets Uh, They've only won the league title twice and neither both times were in the 1990s last year In fact, they only finished in ninth place this year, wow, turning it around Number one on offense, over two and a half goals per match And number one on, off, uh, on defense, rather giving up less than one goal per match They're the only team doing that well in either regard They are 11-0-2 on the season They've won three straight And interesting side note Neither of these teams, I'm not surprised about Yamato But I am surprised about Iga But I guess it's because of their city size Neither of these teams is set to join the WE League to start next year Our second bonus match, I believe, is the one that shows the soccer noob and person noob we put on the podcast with a heart. Lots of shows, including this one, cover the top teams from some of the biggest countries and the biggest leagues in their countries. Some shows will even cover teams from the bottom of their divisions, those that might be about to get kicked out into lower leagues. But no other show, to my knowledge, will do a show that we sing about like this. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. With apologies to the Prince Estate since we've ripped off most beautiful girl in the world. Yes, this is the most meaningless match in the world because the two teams that you have voted on for us to feature are two teams that are smack dab in the middle of their standings. Perfectly equidistant between the glory of international tournament berths and last place or close enough to last place that they might be getting relegated. And the matchup, hey, the country's so nice, we're heading there twice. We're going back. To Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan, just like we were for match number ten to their Premier League. Number five, Kaganat, taking on number four, Abdish Ata, might be Ata, ATA. I'm going to go with Ata. Uh, Abdish won their only other regular season match, two to one, and they lead Kaganat by four in the table. And again, we're catching them at the very end of the season, so these teams aren't going anywhere, good or Bad talk about your meaningless. Nevertheless, we're going to look at them each because what other show would? Kaganat they play out of the city of Osh, which is the second biggest metro area in the country, sort of the unofficial capital of the southern half of the country. It's right on the Uzbek border, about uh, 320,000. Oh, by the way, if this team isn't familiar to you, even if you follow to any degree, uh, you know, Asian or Central Asian. Football, the reason is this, that they might not be unfamiliar. There was a club called Academia Osh that last year, uh, before last season, got split into two clubs. The other one is FC Lighter. I don't know what division they play in, but it is not here in the Premier League. It's not top flight. Uh, in any case, back to learning a little bit about the area. This city, it was a big industrial hub, but economically not doing so well since the early 90s uh, because of the collapse of the USSR. All of that went away. Something else they're sort of famous for, is that uh, uh, famous ancient author uh, Ptolemy uh, when he uh, wrote his book called Geography he made reference to uh, an area called Stone Tower a mountain that marks the halfway point of the famous ancient trading route, the Silk Road and it is believed by most if not all that that probably refers to uh, Suleiman Mountain uh, right here in uh, the Kaganat or Osh area I should say and because of the Silk Road running through here there has been a bazaar that has been operating on one particular spot near this mountain for over 2,000 straight years just incredible I would love to visit something like that uh, last year, footy-wise, they finished number six in the table, fifth-best offense going, tied for the fifth-best defense, and a perfectly meaningless 17-17 goal differential for, for your four of against. They were doing a little bit better more recently, but or earlier in the season, but they have lost four straight. If they can get it back going, the guy who would be able to help them do it, most likely, on the league-scoring leaderboard top ten, Mirbek Akmataliyev. Now, let's look at Abdish. Uh They are in the city of Kent. I should say town. It's only about 20,000 and change. Uh, folklore says that the city is named for Emmanuel Kant in the area, but everybody knows it's really not. It's just something that I like to say. The word means sugar in the local language. It is very directly named after a sugar uh, processing plant that was built there in the 1930s. Uh, this remains an industrial town. Interesting history for it. Uh, Central Asia, the Volga region, where there were lots of ethnic Germans back in the Soviet days from the 80s and before, uh, were forcibly moved there. And then when the USSR collapsed, all these ethnic Germans moved away. But there are, uh, including Kant, which kind of looks German, uh, the reason that folklore can still carry a little bit of water anyway, or pretend to, is because there are a lot of other villages right in this area that still carry their German names nearby. One other thing this area is famous for is there is a Russian airbase um, right there, and it's directly set to counter the USA's Massas airbase that they use out of the capital of uh, Bishkek. Now, back to the club, it's named for a local uh, brewery, and until 2020, they were sponsored by either no one or someone else. The club's name was uh, F.C. Tunguk-Kant. Last year, they finished fourth in the table, so the middle is where these two seem to belong. They are 2-0-1 in their last three, top top four offense, second best defense in the league. On the scoring leaderboard is Ate Dumashev, He's 22 years old, and yet already he's played for several clubs professionally, and this is his second time with this club. Uh, His only foray into Europe uh, two years ago, he played for uh, Energetique, one of the Belarusian Premier League clubs. And now here at the tail end of our podcast, match number 13 on the 10-to-track, yes, we believe that much in the math, we don't like to finish on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth, moroseness, consternation. These are two clubs at the very bottom of their top flight domestic league standings. Probably going to be relegated, perhaps never to be heard from again, and rightfully so, but we will shine a little light and make a little bit of fun on them here on the match of... DISAPPOINTED! Ooh. The Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo never ceases to put the fear of God or, well, I guess I should say demi-God since that was Hercule's. Anyway, we're, it's another Sunday match. We're staying in Asia, but heading over to Jordan for the Pro League to end the podcast. They're very early in the season there, but that won't stop us from talking about their two crappiest teams. Even though they have three winless teams, we can only make fun of two of them. And the matchup is number 12, Abuqa versus number 11, al Jalil, Aboukha. No wins, no draws, and that means no points. So they say in Billy Madison, may God have mercy on their soul. They trail, and they uh, trail Jalil and Shabab by four points. Meanwhile, Al-Jaleel, number 11, they trail Shabab by just one point on goal differential. That's the number 10 team. And Mon by a single point. So they're not very far from safety. A little bit about each. At least Albuqa has a cool nickname, the Black Horse. Anything but lions, but even independent of that, Black Horse is pretty cool. Uh, they play out of the Blaka government, which is uh, northwest of the capital city of Amman. It's the fourth most popular government, or basically state within the country. Very fertile region, despite being very, very mountainous. And so they do do a lot of agriculture there, light industry. Uh, Interestingly, looking at where they play or trying to, two different sources I use. One says that they play at the National Stadium in Amman. Well, that would be very, very nice. One says that they play their games at the Bayshore Mall parking lot as their official ground. Even if they're training there, even for a team that's involved in a match of Disappointed, that is pretty funny and extremely sad. Clearly, there's some connection to this mall parking lot for the team. In any case, they were relegated in 2018-19 and I believe just came back this year to the top flight. And it looks like they'll be heading right back down. They have had some recent success, if not in the league, um, as recently as 2013-14, and they've done this twice. They finished as runners-up in the FA Cup. Interesting side note, this team was actually formed by a Palestinian refugee camp of the same name, Baka, back in 1968. This year... Oh, oh, and seven. I mentioned no wins, no losses. One goal for, 17 goals against. Absolute woof and beyond disappointing. Let's get to the ever so slightly less bad team in Al Jalil. They are known, I'm not sure if this is an apt description this year, as the monsters of the north. Uh, they too were actually formed by a Palestinian refugee camp of the same name, Jalil. They actually play in a town called Urban, Urbid, in the far northwest of the country. It's about 40 miles north of Amman and only a dozen miles from the Syrian border. Pretty big city as well, uh, second biggest metro area in the country one million people in ancient times this uh, city was actually very famous for the wines that they made. Back then it wasn't called Urbit, it was, uh, this was more to do with Greek so it was called Arabella. And what the city is most known for now, it's not much for tourism, yet it to be a really cool place to visit especially if you're a young whippersnapper because there's a ton of universities and colleges in this city. One big party college town basically, super famous for that. Oh, and on the footy side, one thing that they did manage this year, they won something called the Jordan Shield Cup. I'm going to assume that that is a league cup, though I couldn't find much of anything on it for sure. But it was nice that they won something because they're sure not going to do anything but, you know, earn our disrespect here in the league. Uh, they appear to have been relegated all the way back in 2011, 2012, and they just came back up this year. So these two teams apparently coming up for a cup of coffee before they go back to the nether regions of Jordanian football. 0 oh, and 3 on the year. Like their opponents today, they've only scored one goal. This is probably going to be another nil-nil match or disappointing, like so many of them are. Tied for fifth on Defense. You know, not too shabby, but it's too bad that they can't score in the slightest. And they are 0-1-2 in their last three. I would wish both of these teams good luck since it's the end of the show. would be a nice way to end. But instead, and this plays so well for an audio podcast, I will turn my back on the microphone so as to show my disdain as if I am shunning them. Yeah, that's it. That's really how we're ending the main part of the show. Good job. And believe it or not, yes, that is how we end the show for real. Thank you for joining us for episode number 38 of the Tend to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. Admit it, there's not any other show out there like this one, for better or worse. So to that end, let me thank the people who have made this possible. God help all our souls. Thank you to the management for all his editing and production efforts, to Dan the Interno Informer, former interno inferno doesn't work for me anymore works for the swedish women's fa as i understand it i think he's a spy doesn't matter he contributes weekly to the show and we appreciate her his efforts and as always a big thank you a hug and a kiss to my daughter person noob love you very much so glad that we get to do this together And maybe most importantly, thanks to you for finding the show. If you like this, I know it's a little bit different, but I think that's the best thing about it. Pass it on to your real life or uh, Twitter footy friends. We'd super appreciate it. Until we do this again a few days from now, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.